All right, here we are live, totally uncensored. I'm Mike Robles, and I'm delighted to have with me today my guest. He's not only a good friend, but he's a funny, funny comedian. Check this out. Steve Trevino has three comedy specials, Netflix, Amazon, Showtime, selling out tickets across the country from coast to coast. Steve is selling out shows. He has over 175 million views. I mean, am I missing anything, Steve? I, no, look, man, I, I I don't know about you, but, you know, I wanted to be a stand-up. That's all I ever wanted to be. And I never, you know, of course, you you know, you hope that that you get to the point where you're a headliner um, and that you're selling tickets. And, you know, to be honest with you, Mike, I'm humbled every single day by the response that we're getting, by the fans, by the, the people that come to my shows. The You know how it is, man. All of a sudden, you know, they're calling you up and saying, hey, we got to add a show. Hey, Saturday's already sold out. Hey, Sunday sold out. Let's add a second show Sunday. All right, add it. Oh, my God, Steve, we got to add another show on Thursday. Okay, add that show. And it, it's just been, you know, for me, uh, a very humbling experience, you know, uh, something that, that you know, you, you, you keep grinding away as you do and as you know and, and all the stuff. Man, look, dude, I remember watching you very, very young on Que Locos and thinking to myself, <laughs> I got to get on Que Locos. Now, by the time I moved to L.A., Que Locos was already kind of wrapping up. Right. But, you know, I mean, you made the Ice House famous. You know, I wanted to be on that Ice House stage, and I knew that all the good Latino comedians were on Que Locos. You know, and that was a huge deal for me going right. – and then, and then you know, and, and I hope I'm not embarrassing you, but, you know, for me and you to become friends, for me and you to have uh, conversations at the clubs and, and even business conversations when you're calling me up going, hey, Trevino, what's going on in Texas? Right. You know, you have any venues for me? And it was just one of those things where I'm like, man, I was watching this dude on TV hoping to be him, <laughs> you know? So it, it has been, it's been fun. It's been exciting. It's it's and as you know in your career, it's been a journey, man. A lot of ups, a lot of downs. And you've you been know. doing you, you've been doing great, man. That's why you know I admire what you're doing because I kind of like how do I put it? Like to me, you're like the stealth bomber of comedy. You don't see Steve Trevino coming, but he's there and he's kicking ass. You know what I'm saying? Well, like, and you know it's funny you say that because you know I am very self-assuming and I'm I'm a very uh, there's no flashiness about me. I'm not, uh, you know, I don't show up at the club like I'm with an entourage. I don't, right. you know, I want to drink beer uh, and I drink my whiskey and do my show. And and my comedy is very storytelling. It's very, I make it look very easy, you know, So which is funny because sometimes you have fans that come up to me and go, dude, after watching you, I want to do stand-up because it's easy. Right. <laughs> and I'm like, I'm like, no, I, I just make it look easy. But right. Man, it, it, I'm glad you say that because, you know, I, I, I do feel that way. I feel that, you know, I, I don't go around with my chest out trying to, right. to to smash people on stage. I just want to be on stage. Right. And see, that, and that's a good thing because your numbers back you up. I mean, you've got three specials. You're selling out tickets. Without, without all the flashiness, to me, you're going to grow up in the sense of, I mean, I, I don't know if I'm saying this right, but... There's so much more that you're going to blow up whether you realize it or not, I think, because you got all the goods, man. Everybody knows Steve Trevino, and I think it's only going to go one step further with you as far as, like, wow, who is this guy when this guy's been out there for a while now? I don't know. Well, and, and I take a lot of pride in the fact that, you know, when you say no flashiness, man, Hollywood has helped me not at all. You know, I produced, I produced every special that's on the air. I produced it out of my own pocket with my own money, you know, all the videos, I have a, almost 200 million views on Facebook. You know, that was organic. I didn't buy those views. I didn't, you know, so it has been me and my wife and my standup. So essentially I sell tickets with me and a microphone. Right. I'm not on a TV show. I'm not in movies. Comedy central didn't decide to blow me up. No. You know, it, it it's me and my standup. And mm -hmm. You know, going I, out and, and performing. And that's why I love and respect what you do, bro, because it's the grind and it's the hard work. 
And everybody thinks, like, if I want to make it big, right, I got to go to L.A., I got to go to New York. Everything you're doing is right out of the state of Texas. Yeah, right out of my home state. Now, don't get me wrong. You know, when I when I went to L.A., I learned very early that L.A. is not a place for Latinos. Mm -hmm. L.A. is not a place for the Mexican-American, for the Cuban-American, for the, you know. Now, don't get me wrong. If you're a, a Los Angeles native and you're a stand-up comedian, you have a better chance than anybody else as a Latino. I don't know if you, you've ever realized this, Mike, but the only people that have ever been on HBO doing stand-up comedy are from the Los Angeles area. Yeah. You know, Gabe, uh, uh, George Lopez, Mencia, Paul Rodriguez, and Felipe Esparza, they're mm -hmm. all Los Angeles, L.A. area kids. Correct. You know, so so if you're a if you're a, a Mexican American from Texas, hey man, good luck. I just wanted to know that I could compete. I wanted to know that I could walk on the same stage as Chris Rock and follow him. Right. You know, I wanted to know that I could get my name on the Comedy Store wall with the very best of the best. And once I did that, I was like, I'm out. Right. You know, I want to raise a family. I want to be a dad. I want to have a wife, and I want to have a very normal life as well. Right, so what is it that, I mean, you're doing it, you're able to do it, but there's so many Texas comedians, bro, that want the same thing, but they can't get out of Texas. They can't, they just can't go to that next hump. You know what I'm saying? Like what you're doing, for example, so what is it? Are they doing something wrong? Or what? what is your secret? Why are you doing it? And There's a lot of funny cats in Texas, but- Absolutely. My, my secret was, and, and in my opinion, is that I didn't want to be an actor. I didn't want to be in commercials. I didn't want to be a writer. All I wanted to be was a stand-up comedian. And I knew that the only way to get good at this is to be on stage as much as possible. So I took every free gig. I took, I did everything I could to be on stage 52 weeks a year you know, uh, 365 days a year, two sets a night, three sets a night, so that I could become the best stand-up comedian that I could become. And I think a lot of guys, they, they're too busy worrying about L.A. or New York or how do I get in Montreal because that's how you make it. Right. Ooh, I got to have a badass website. I And it's like, no, dude, be a badass stand-up comedian because – for years, my website was horrible. For years, my social media game was horrible. And I was just putting out clips. You know, when, when I ended up on Netflix, nobody was watching it. And I had to figure out a way. I go, man, it's a good special. I'm proud of it. It's funny. How do I get people to watch it? So then I just started putting out these little three-minute clips, and it blew up. You know, and it's funny because then everybody else started to do the same thing I was doing. And then they go... Man, mine's not blowing up. How come, Steve? Well, maybe you're not good. Mm. Maybe you spend too much time on your social media game. Maybe you spend too much time uh, trying to chase women. Maybe you spend too much time trying to get headshots. Maybe you spend too much time trying to be a writer when you should be spending time getting on stage. And, and for me, you know, it cracks me up. And you know this, Mike, when you have opening acts that go, how much am I going to make? Yeah. You're done. Yeah. You're done. Yeah, that's it. Where am I? Where am I gonna sleep? Yeah. You're done. Yeah. I didn't get my own hotel room. You're done. <laughs> now, do you find a lot of those who've opened up for you, like who do stuff, stupid stuff like that, all the time? Yeah. You know, all the time. Where where somebody, a comedian, will come up to me and say, you know, hey, Steve, I want to open for you. And then I go, okay, well, I've got this week available. Yeah, you know what? It that's my that's my sister's birthday. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'm like, hey, you effed up. You're done for me. That's You're it. never going to get a call from me because I miss quinceañeras. I miss weddings. I miss funerals. I miss Christmas Eve. I miss New Year's. I, I mean, I was working. Yeah, yeah. I never told anybody no. You, you know? have to. Yeah. I remember being when I was out in New York, man. I would get a gig on a Saturday afternoon. Come in, someone canceled at Dangerfield, right? Right. I'm, I'm at a family barbecue, bro. And it's like three in the afternoon. It's like, I got to go. I got to go. roll, baby. And I felt bad because, you know, here's a whole family together and now I'm leaving. But 
That's about stand-up comedy, you know what I'm saying? So again, you know, having the support of your family, I don't know if you were married at the time when you're on the road all this time, but it's very important that you have the support of your wife, right? Especially or your partner when you're gigging all the time, because if you don't have that support, man, you're going to be like, no, it's tough. And then, you know, and that was, that was kind of when we first started dating, I wasn't making a lot of money as a standup, but you know, I, I basically told her, you met me, I'm on the road. This is my life. And either you're going to understand that this is my dream and I'm in 1 million percent or you're not. And in the beginning, she's like, well, why can't I hang out? And how come I, cause they think we party, right? They think, yeah, oh, you know, you, you go to the club, you hang mm -hmm. out, you eat chicken strips in the back, you have right. your whiskey, you know, no, 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 right. it's a business and I got to right. work. And once she started seeing results and once she started seeing that, Hey, this dream of mine is possible. She really got on board. And, and the more I made her part of my act and part of my life and part of the things on stage, you know, now me and her have a podcast together. Um, me and she runs the, the business side of things. Great. Uh, she, she handles payroll. She's, She's a huge part. And I think it's another mistake that comics make is, hey, man, keep your spouse involved. Right. You know, let your spouse know what you're doing so that she can not only support you, but help you. They feel part you of know? the team. Mm -hmm. You know, she was the one that was kind of like a manager. Hey, what are you doing? Cut your hair. Don't wear a hat on stage. Right. Do you have Do you have to drink on stage? Be a professional. All that came from my wife making me better. You know, so yeah. I, I think the more that I included her, the more it started to feel like our dream and not just my dream. Okay. So then you would agree that, like, at the end of the day, anybody listening that, they don't have to be Texas, but you really don't have to go to New York or L.A. pretty much to, let's say, make it or kind of do what you're doing. Right? You know, you could be sitting in where you were, where Portland, Texas, where you originally from. I I'm in New Braunfels, Texas right now. But you also have to think about this, and and I mean no disrespect to to Stephen Colbert or any of the like the late night show hosts, but okay, they get half a million viewers mm -hmm. a night, right? Right. Mm -hmm. I, every video I put out gets half a million views. Okay, so I don't. I get. I got. I get half a million eyeballs on Facebook, right. on Instagram, on TikTok. Why? Why do I need? Almost every video I put out in within a month breaks a million. Wow, that's awesome, man. So why do I need, I mean, don't get me wrong. If Jimmy Fallon called me tomorrow, I'm on Jimmy Fallon, and I would love to be on right. Jimmy Fallon. However, he is no longer in charge of your career. It's no sure. longer the Johnny Carson days. It's no longer, you know, I don't need to be on TV for people to see what I do. Right. And once I realized that, and once I said, wait a minute, and not only that, I share my life with my fans so that they know me who I really am. I'm not a persona on stage. I'm not playing a character, you know, like, like Mike Robles, for example, I remember when I met you and I was like, Oh, this dude talks like that. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like you're from yeah. New York. Right. That, that's who you are. Yeah. But when I saw you on TV, I was like, Oh, this guy's playing the, 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 the yeah, the Latino, you know, uh, accent. He's playing up the New York thing. Uh, and then I meet you, and it's Mike Robles. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I just and, – and my opinion on that was I'm just going to open the curtain completely on social media and introduce them to me every day. Right. And, and then once I did that, then it was like, oh, my God, this guy's like me. You're this right. guy lives his life like me. This guy's wife and him are like us, right. you know, and for me, there's no celebrity BS, man. I am, you know, I, I cut my own yard. I, I clean my own garage. I, you know what I mean? Right. As a matter of fact, your last special to keep it where you're going, you know, it's like you cut your own grass. I think you taped it from a barn house. Yeah, yeah. we, 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 we a found it, house. you know, <laughs> yeah, well, but, well, but here's what you said, you know, I can hit, Steve Trevino, I can hit any big theater in the country and sell it out, but I want to do it in a barn house, bro. What, what was the thought process behind a barn house? I, I will tell you. And I think that you're either, you're either going to think I'm crazy or you're going to think I'm a genius. <laughs> I want to be able to celebrate my culture without making fun of my culture. Hmm. 
I want to I want to be very American, but yet be very proud of my Mexican culture. And I and 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 every episode that I have ever done, I have made sure to and and I think you know back in the day comedians you know they would do Tex-Mex Spanish you know our our the Chicano style George Lopez for example right mm-hmm. where some punchlines were in Spanish English right. well I don't want to do that right I want my uh, stand up to be very just stand up with an, with a Mexican American flair or a Tex-Mex flair so mm-hmm. you know I do that through you know relatable at the end of relatable my friend um, Roger Kreger he sings a beautiful Texas rendition of Rancho Grande. So at the, mm-hmm. at the end, he sang Rancho Grande on stage, and me and my family went out there and danced just like we would at a quinceanera. I remember that, yeah. And then the barn for me was, hey, man, I'm a country boy, right? And, and Mexicanos especially, we're the original vaqueros. We're the original cowboys, right? I wanted yeah. to celebrate that. I wanted, and, and if you see the opening... There's mariachis out front because mariachis are beautiful and they're sexy and it's our culture. And then in the background were the photographs uh, of Dia de los Muertos. Mm -hmm. But I called it till death. So every decision I make is a decision of how do I celebrate my culture and how do I show America that being a Mexican-American is cool. Right. We're not drug dealers. We're not rapists. We're not murderers. We're not the gardener. We're not the leaf blower. We are that, but we're more than that. Right. So when I did it in that barn, it was me going, this is who I am. I'm a Texan Mexicano who is proud of my culture uh, without throwing it in your face. Right. 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 Without without going you know, we're different people and being Mexican is like this and being Latino is like this. To me, we have to evolve from that, Mike. We have to get to a point where we are treated like Americans with culture. Right. Well, it leads to a sitcom down the road. You see a sitcom for you down the road? I mean, that's what I'm looking at right now. It'd be perfect. Exactly the way you're describing it. It could be taped from a barn house. Look, man, look, I have had my opportunities to pitch. And every time I pitch, I hear it's not Mexican enough. Oh, man. I hear, I hear, where's the Spanish? Where's the accent? Does your mom, does your mom speak English? Yeah. And and what people don't understand is, you know, I'm tired of seeing our people on film and TV as the gardener the maid, the drug dealer, the right. gangster, the prisoner, that has to change. And, and I made a decision with me and my wife where I told her, I said, I don't care if I make it or not. I will not play the stereotype. That's good. I will not. I, I, I'd rather do my stand-up and sell 50 tickets a show, put a roof over my family's head, than to play the stereotype. To what play the... The a bro, that it's not me, right? And it and it's not a lot of Americans. Yeah, no, this is 2020 now, man. Times are changing. It's 2020, and the funny part is now I'm starting to see, you know, when no Latinos were were nominated for an Emmy two months ago, I'm starting to see writers going, "Hey, it has to change. Mm-hmm. We're tired of being the stereotype. We're tired of seeing the same show." You know, because where's the evolution from good times like the black people had? Right. Here's good times. Here's the Jeffersons. Here's the Huxtables. Well, where's ours? We're going to have to start taking control of our planet. Like I used to say that a long time ago, you have to create your own shows and and do it that way. Because as long as you don't, if you don't own it or create it, it's not going to change. You know, have you ever thought about, because I know you've been funding your own specials, right? Have you thought maybe of funding maybe like a little mini web series about what you're just talking about right now? Just like, <laughs> you know, maybe give people a taste and maybe it could be picked up that way? Well, that's exactly what we're doing with the new podcast with me and my wife. Okay. You know, me and my wife, uh, you know, if you haven't seen the podcast, we go on that podcast and we have 
real life discussions. What's it called? What's it called? Uh, Stephen is Captain Evil. <laughs> Steve Trevignon is Captain Evil. But Captain we have your wife, that right? Yeah, we have real husband wife discussions. Okay. Things we argue about, things we fight about, uh, emotional things that we've been through, and we're we want to show the producers or Hollywood or whomever. Hey, man, people want to see this. Yeah. My wife is also Mexican-American. Yeah. My wife's deal, uncle, invented Tejano music. Really? Yes. So here are these two Mexican-Americans. My wife went to NYU. And I am this blue-collar, hard-working dude. And we're a real couple in America who have real problems. But we I don't ever hide from my culture. I don't ever, you know, hide from who I am. I celebrate it. So we're hoping that the podcast will bring people in to go. And by the way, you know how frustrating it is when when I'm getting hit up from people from Boston, right? And I call my agency and I say, hey, my numbers show that I'll sell out in Boston. And they go, Steve, there's no Mexicans in Boston. Uh, yeah, and I'm like, I'm like, why do you keep putting me in this category right. to only sell tickets to Mexicans? Right. We we fight for it. We get it. I did ten sold out shows. Ten. You, you did Boston. Yes, we sold That's ten over. shows out. There you go. Not only do we sell ten shows out, maybe a hundred people out of the three thousand people we sold to were Latino. Wow. They're all white. Now, do you still so, have that problem today, or they, they don't question right now? If you want to go to a city, are they going to say there's not Mexicans there, or is they, no more? They're well, no, now they don't question it, but I had to fight for it, and I yeah. had to, I had to prove to them, hey man, there's a market. Right. You know, this is real. This is this is my life, and it's a very human experience. It's not a Latino experience, right? You know. It's not a specific Texas experience. It's a human experience between me and my wife. And if you're married, you want to watch my show. Right. And that's what we have to overcome. Yeah. You know, and, and, and nothing's more frustrating. You know, I, I got on Burt Kreischer's podcast. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. I, uh, I mentioned this and I mentioned to him how impossible it is for a Latino to make it in this business. And then you get these people sending messages going, oh, stop crying racism. Oh, please, don't be such a bitch. Maybe you're not talented. And it's like, no, dude. In the history of America, there's been two sitcoms. Uh, one one on a network. And yeah. that's George Lopez. Cristela got her shot, gone. Gabriel Iglesias is on... Netflix now in 2020, which by the way, Gabriel Iglesias is selling out arenas for the past 15 years. Right. And he's just now getting a TV show. Kevin Hart sold out arenas for two years. He's right. the biggest star in Hollywood. Because they let us in one slot at a time, it seems. You know what I mean? It can never be more than one on the top. It's always one, next, next. Well, you like you said, when you have black comics that there could be 10, uh, 10 at a time on top. Right? You have Chris Rock and Kevin Hart, Dave Chappelle. I'll limit it. But with this, it's like one at a time. Well, Gabriel's turn. <laughs> George's yeah. turn. Gabriel's exactly. turn. So I guess his turn, you know. Exactly. And, you know, and I don't see why it can't be all of you guys turn at the same time. That would be very powerful. Steve Trevino, Gabriel Iglesias, but, but Oprah, it's, Felipe Esparza. Why can't it be that way? You know what I'm saying? It's like I mean, you you obviously felt that way, right? When you yeah. did Get Locos, your idea was we're all talented, we yeah. all need a spotlight. You yeah. know, so you were bringing guys up, right? You know, and and that we need more of that, right? So, yeah. you know, when I I had a deal at ABC at one point, and while I was at my deal with ABC, I got bumped for Earthquake, mm. uh, the comedian. Yeah, yeah. You, do you know why I got bumped for Earthquake? Because Eddie Murphy drove Earthquake onto the ABC lot, walked into the ABC offices, knocked on the president of ABC's door and said, you're going to give Earthquake a deal. 
Wow. Mm. Eddie Murphy did that. You know, so George Lopez should have been doing that. Mm -hmm. Mencia should have been doing that. Gabriel Iglesias now should be doing that. You so know, why, and do you, I think why, why do you think they haven't done that? I don't know. I mean, I, I think Gabriel has done it a little bit. I'm talking about more like George, maybe, because he's in a position where, you know, he's had a movie in the Tonight Show, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, I, I don't know why, man, because I think that, that we're all, and, and I put me in there too, because I don't know how I'm going to act when I get there, but are we insecure? Are we afraid that there's only one job, and if I bring in my replacement, yeah. I'm gonna lose. I'm gonna lose my job. Maybe, maybe since yeah. it's one flight at a time, you know, you got to protect your territory, right? Who knows? But that's what I'm saying. Like with the Kilopas thing, if you create your own stuff, then you make up all the rules. Nobody, the show is hot. Nobody can take it away. Hollywood couldn't tell me what to do. The show is living on its own, man. So that's but, what I'm saying. If we get content out there, Latino content, which is good. The networks will come calling you. Trust me, man. Absolutely. And and how many times did you do Que Locos and people who never watched Spanish Channel mm -hmm. were going up to you going, I watch Que Locos? Oh, yeah, baby. To this day. Oh, to this day. All the yeah. time. So, you know, look, it's definitely an issue. It's it's something that I'm going to stick to my guns about. And at the end of, at the, end of the day, if, if I end up a successful touring comic for the rest of my life, but I was able to make enough noise yeah. to kick the door open for, you know, the next guy. Right. Then I'm all about it because, you know, it, it does need to change. Um, I want my son to turn on the TV and and see Latinos playing lawyers and doctors right. and police officers and teachers, you know. And, and right now my son turns on the TV and we are drug dealers. Rapists, murderers, right. Right. you know, prisoners, you know, and by the way, all played by Michael Pena. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. It's sad, <laughs> man, but they keep they keep rehashing the same actors too for these parts, man. But you're right. I want my children when they grow up to be able to see like, like you said, doctors, lawyers, comedians. Where it's not like uh, when they did take a look. It's been 20 years ago. It was to fill a void, and here right. we are talking 20 years later. And that void hasn't been filled. Correct. You know, I don't want my children when they grow up to be saying the same thing. How come they know Latinos? I mean, 40 years now? I mean, it's like, you can't do that. So, I, I mean, I'm going to try to keep creating, you know, platforms and doing well, what I can do. Like, You're doing what it, you can do. And hopefully, I, you know. I always explain this. As great as George Lopez is, because we needed a George Lopez. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. To be trying to sell, what, what they don't understand is George Lopez was big in the 90s. So you're still trying to sell George Lopez to his fans' kids who are now 30. Right. His fans' kids are now 30. They don't have the same sense of humor as George Lopez's fans did. Correct. But you're still trying. When I walk in there, you still want me to fit in that mold from 20, 30 years ago. And you, you can't know? compete with a 30-year-old colleague. If you're but, 60 or 50. Right. right. But when I saw Que Locos, it made me feel like I can do this. Right. There's people like me that are on TV doing stand-up. So when I watch Que Locos, it gives me inspiration. It makes me go, man, I, I think I can do that. Mm -hmm. Right? Because you, you have to see yourself. Sure. Right? So if my kid wants to be an astronaut, or my kid wants to be uh, a judge, but every time he turns on the TV, he doesn't see his face or somebody like him. But does it not make him go, well, there's nobody out there like that for me? Of course, yeah, of course. But, but if he sees that lawyer, that judge, that astronaut, that uh, bioscientist, and he goes, oh, man, there are people like me that do this. Right. Then, then it, gives them, it gives them hope and it gives them belief that they can, you know, do it too, right? And right. That's the beauty of it because if you can do it, I can do it. That probably was the best right. compliment I got with Kelokos is people would come in saying, yeah, so they show Kelokos. I don't know how many people started comedy careers when they started saw Kelokos, but I'm sure a whole bunch of them did, right? Right. And, uh, and, and when you see that, it's because and the compliment is if you can do it, I can do it, right? Right. And, and and they think it's easy, but it's not. Obviously, we know how hard it is to, you know, become a stand-up comedian. But 
the confidence they get is like they look like me, they sound like me, they talk like me, so maybe I can do it too. And that's what right. shows like this do, and we need to keep – so I'm sure you too, with your, all the views you get, I'm sure there's a lot of young Steve Trevino's out there that want to do stand-up comedy. So I guess we lead by example, Stephen. That's what it comes down to, man. I mean, you know, I always say that my goal is to create a movement, right? And the movement means that I am going to do things in a way that inspire. I'm going to do things in a way that motivate. I'm going to do things in a way that people go, wow, man, I want to do it that way. Yeah. I want to do it the way that he's doing it. Mm -hmm. You know, I know that I don't have to be in Hollywood anymore to make it. I don't have to wait for that network executive to tell me that I, I deserve a show or I deserve a podcast. No, we'll go out and do it. Exactly. You know, and, and not to mention, and, and this is somewhat humble brag. I had no idea how much money there was out there to be had on a podcast or to be had on social media. Yeah. I mean, I pay all my bills on social media now. Wow, that's really. We'll talk about that a little bit more for people listening. Yeah. <laughs> you know, from everybody from, doing a podcast now. You know, from from selling advertisers on the podcast to monetizing my YouTube, monetizing my Facebook, monetizing the Instagram, monetizing TikTok. Man, I, you know, I make enough money that if I quit tomorrow. As long as that money stays the same, I don't ever have to go on the road again. Really? You know, and I'm very close to making TV show salary wow. on social. So I don't need a TV show for America to see me or the world for that matter, because I have fans that chime in from India and Singapore and Europe and Australia and Canada and Mexico, where people are going, Hey, Steve, checking in from India. We love watching your podcast from Singapore. You know, so I don't need a network television show anymore. Do I want one? Absolutely. Yeah, but comes, you take it. But see, what you, I love about what you're doing is that you're not doing it the traditional way. I remember right. when I started out in New York, right? What was the a traditional way was you get funny. Hopefully you get a manager. You get a booker. They book you on the road. The next thing you know, you're doing a Tonight Show. I become famous. Now you blow up, right? You blow up. That that's the traditional road, right? I have to get a booker. I have to get a manager. For whatever reason, bro, I was never able to hook up with a booker. Or, to this day, I never had a booker. I didn't have a manager. Right. So I figured, all right, like this is the way to do it, right? But let me find a different way to go around that wall. That's why right. I created my own platforms. I created my own platforms. I got my own exposure. You know, that's how it worked out for me. So, again, man, for people watching, it's very important what Steve is saying as far as, like, you can go out. You don't have to go to L.A. You don't have to go to New York. You can do it from right where you are, hard work, and know how to work the business game. That's the other thing. Comedians who don't know how to do business besides being funny. Like, Steve already got that down with the monetization. So uh, that's great advice, man, because a lot of comedians are probably thinking the same thing we thought. Well, we started. Let me get a booker. Let me get a manager. I go to LA. Go right. To you don't have. I to mean, look that. at look at you know the, the the climate now climate climate now with with COVID. Man, I didn't sit at home. You know, the last eight gigs that I have done have been in restaurant, bar, honky tonks. I have been doing. I did Fry Height Country Store right here in New Braunfels, Texas, mm-hmm. and we did. We sold the tables. I did Midland Odessa, the Rusty Bucket. I did uh, Corpus Christi, Brewster Street Ice House. I mean, I, I got creative and I said, look, if there's not a comedy club open in that town, I'm going to go find a venue that is open at 50% right. and I'm going to sell out those tickets. And guess what? I'm at 50%. If I have to keep adding shows and do three shows a night, I'm going to do it. Right. So... You know, I'm I'm one of the only comics right now working and actually making money on the road because I didn't sit around and go, well, I mean, you know, Cap City and Austin closed down. So there goes that gig. And, uh, you know, all the other gigs that I had canceled all over the country. Well, I guess I'll sit at home. No, I was like, well, what states are open? Right. What what venues are, are doing either country shows or Tejano shows or are restaurants slash bars. I'm going to go in there 
and I'm going to yeah. promote it. And I'm doing San Angelo uh, next week. And, and these clubs you're mentioning now, because obviously with the coronavirus change everything, like, so what's the seas like? Tell me, what is it like now when you do a gig like you did last week and sold out? Is it like half capacity? Are people wearing masks? Are you wearing a mask? It's, it's half capacity. Like? And what we're doing is we're selling the entire table. So you can buy a table of four, six, or two. And all those tables are six feet apart from everybody. And you come in, you sit at your table with your people, and it's you don't stand up. They have waiters that come to you wearing masks. And then like Freiheit, I told my wife, I go, I've never been, I was lonely during the shutdown. But now it's more lonely because like this weekend, for example, I sat in my car right by the stage because it was an outdoor venue. Okay. And my road manager came, knocked on my window, and he gives me the, you're, you're up. I walk on stage from my car. I perform. I get back in my car and I leave. Okay. Um, and it's lonely, you know, because you have the, you know, you have the adrenaline of being on stage. You have the, the excitement of being on stage. And, and for me, I love mingling. I love doing meet and greet. Yeah. I love shaking hands. I love fans telling me, man, this is what happened between me and my husband. And, yeah. oh, my God, that joke that you did. I love that. So, you know, I, I get in my car and I go home. Now, do you sell you know, merchandise or has that affected your merchandise sales? I thought it was going to affect the merchandise sales. My, my road manager wears a mask and then he sells merchandise afterwards. And, and we're down a few bucks, but not much. But I also think that people are, are willing to support more. Right. You know, people know the situation for artists like me and you where, you know, we have been taken out uh, of our business. So I think people are more apt to spend that extra 25 bucks on a T-shirt um, to, to support. So it's been, it's been, you know, crazy. But again, I told my wife, my entire career has been adapt and overcome. Okay. Hollywood's not going to let me in. I'm going to do it myself. Exactly, man. Exactly. Yeah. You don't sit back and wait for Hollywood. Hollywood ain't going to come get you, man. It's been 20 years since, you know, I put them up with together. Right. Ain't nothing's changed, man. You gotta, you're going to have to. And there's nothing wrong with being creative and do it yourself either. It's not like, oh, how am I going to do it? Just just do it. I mean, this phone right here, man. Right? Well, and, and you, and you, yeah, it's right there. I mean, you got a whole movie, got a whole movie, movie. studio. Yeah. You know. It's easier well, and, today, actually, than it was back then. I mean, you gave us George Lopez. You gave us Gabriel Iglesias. You know, you gave us Jerry Garcia. Jerry, um, uh, I yeah. mean, um, Jeff Garcia. You know, you, you and, and we haven't had a big surge since then. That's a problem. Big problem. Big problem. You know, that's an issue. And and don't get me wrong, man. I'm very proud of George, and I'm very proud of Gabriel, and and um, but. The, you know, like you said, we have to get out of this mentality of yeah. of waiting for help. I don't wait for help. No, you gotta do it. You gotta do it yourself, man. Yeah. Let me I, ask you by the way, Cabron, didn't you 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 called me today, hours ago? That's right. You said, "Hey, man, you want to do my podcast?" And I'm like, "Of course." That's it, man. Because every single opportunity that I can get to spread the message, introduce people to who I am and what I do, I'm all over it. Yeah, dude, I knew you were in town because I know you were in the weekend. You were in New Braunfels selling out shows. I go, damn, Steve, he's from Texas. I totally forgot all about that stuff. Yeah. Boom. So it worked out perfect, man. Let, let's go back a bit. You you are one of the few that used to go on the road and open for Carlos Mencia. What was that like? And the reason I'm, I'll, I'll mention it to you. The reason I mention it is I think it was Bobby Lee. Is that his name? Yeah. Bobby Lee. Yourself. Uh, Brad Williams. Christella. Christella, Alonzo. And all four of you have had success. Joe Coy. Joe Coy. All of yep. you have. So is it that, what is Carlos Mencia feeding you? Or what is it that all of you picked up that all of you went on to be successful? I find that interesting that not just one of you, but all of you went on to. Well, a couple of things. Mm -hmm. A couple of things. Well, what people don't understand about Mencia is that he's, he's extremely intelligent. Yeah. Carlos Mencia, Carlos Mencia could have gone to MIT mm -hmm. and had a scholarship to go to MIT. Right. The man is is a very intelligent human being. Um, 
Instead, he chose to use his smarts and his um, ability to figure things out in the comedy world. Right. Another thing that people don't know about Mencia is, you know, does he steal? Yes. However, I used to get very mad because he would do 45 minutes of original shit. Right. And I'm like, you don't, you don't need to steal. You, you wrote 45 minutes of your own stuff and it's great. So in the beginning, when I started working with Mencia, uh, again, he was a guy that I saw on Def Comedy Jam. Okay. He, was a, he was a guy that I saw on TV and I went, oh my God, I, I get to tour with this guy who is, uh, to me, a star, you know, and, and, I, and I think that he was able to teach me a lot about stand-up and how stand-up worked, how to get an audience, how to hold on to that audience, how to create energy. The guy knows how to do all of that. But at the same time, he puts you through hell. Oh, really? the guy, it's like a boot camp. But like, for example? Uh, you know, for example, you know, not only was I selling merch for him after the shows, I would have to carry that merch to the venue. I would have to, uh, when I got off the road, I would have to then fill orders really? for him. Wow. You know, for, for no money. I mean, the guy pays you nothing. Really? You know, and then the guy wants you around all the time. You know, when I moved to L.A., hey, come to my house on Monday. Hang out with me on Monday. Hey, I need you to fill orders. I need you to do this. I need wow. you to do that. And then and he pays you nothing. Wow. You know, and it was, hey, you got to go to radio. Even though you're not on radio, you got to go to radio. I'm hey, I'm hungry. Go get me a freaking, uh, you know, bacon, egg, and cheese biscuit at McDonald's while I'm on radio. Wow. I'm hauling ass. And how long you know, did this last? I, I toured with him for four years. So you did this for four years? Yeah. And, and you know, and, I, and, and, and then he, you know, then he was like, oh, man, stay with me, you know, because we, we got the TV show. I'm going to put you on the TV show. So I always tell people I, I got me too in a sense that I got taken advantage of because I was a kid. I didn't know any better. And all oh, I wanted to do, uh, uh, I started on the road with them when I was 19. Wow, 19. Oh, okay. You know, and uh, I got played because I didn't know any better. Here's the, I, I was so hungry to be on the road. Right. And I was a Dallas kid, so I didn't know anything about his reputation. All I knew was that this guy sells out everywhere he goes and he's willing to take me on the road and I'm going to do everything that I can to stay on the road with this guy. You know, and then he'd give you a little something, you know, Hey, I'm going to put you in touch with my agent. Oh, wow. Okay. You know, Hey, that joke you did, you know, it's great. You work for me. I'm going to go ahead and do it now. Really? Oh, oh okay. Ned. Okay. Yeah. Mm. Whatever. To, you know, so, you know, in retrospect, looking back, it's like, oh man, this guy used me. Mm, okay. He he took advantage of my desire and my want to be a comedian so bad that he took advantage of that. So I think that he finds guys who are talented and hungry, like Bobby, Joe Coy, uh, Brad Williams. Well, Brad Williams came on board when I was touring with him. I remember that, yeah. Um, Cristela Alonso. You know, he finds these people who are hungry and talented, and then he takes advantage of you. Now, mentally, some guys don't break from it, right? Mm -hmm. And I was able to, number one, forgive. Uh, number two, I, I told Ned last time I talked to him, I said, I won't say a bad thing about you, man. I won't bring you up unless somebody else brings you up. And at the end of the day, I, you know, hey, thank you for the opportunity that you gave me. But I don't hold any grudges. Did he ever apologize or anything? Or did you guys talk about it or tell him how he, you feel? He called me two and a half years, two years ago. And, and he says, hey, man, I'm sorry. And I said, uh, OK. And he's like, well, you know, if you feel I'm sorry, if you feel that I did you wrong. And then I go, I don't understand. Uh, I go, did you do me wrong? Or are you sorry because you feel that right. I felt that you did me wrong? Right. 
And he goes, no, honestly, at the end of the day, I felt like I was trying to help you and that I was doing everything to help you. And I said, okay. You know, I said, I go, I go, just so you know, I forgive you. I have a beautiful life. I have a beautiful wife. I have a great kid. I've turned out to become very financially successful. Mm -hmm. I said, I'm very happy, Ned. And I said, uh, I, you know, my number, my number doesn't change. I said, I'm, I'm here if you ever want to talk. And uh, we'll leave it like that, you know. Um, you keep calling him Ned. A lot of people yeah, don't that's his name. And, and, you know, yeah, we all, call, we all called him Ned on the road, you know. And, well, that was another thing that was funny to me um, that everybody was like, oh, my God, his name's not even Carlos. He never hid that. Right, right. You know, he did hide the fact that his last name was Holness. Holness, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, I, re I remember being at his house, and I pick up this check, and I go, Who's Ned Holness? Right. Oh, he goes, oh, yeah. he goes, oh, that's my real last name. That I did not know. Yeah. I, I, I knew his name, but I, I didn't know the fact that I thought he was Mexican, but I didn't know he was from, what is it, Nicaragua? Honduras. Yeah, until later on, you know, but I don't know if that was being hidden or anything, you know, so not that I well, care. Well, and, 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 and in his defense too, man, I mean, Mitzi Shore told him, hey, here's your angle. There's no Honduran people in America. <laughs> They're all Mexican. I see. Okay. Be Mexican. He's from East Los. He grew up with nothing but Mexicans. Right, right. So he took it and ran with it. And then it came back to bite him in the ass. But I used to tell him, I'm like, Ned, be nice. He, the guys, he wasn't nice. Wow. Okay. He wasn't nice to the staff. He wasn't nice to other comedians. He wasn't generous you know if i would have made a hundred thousand dollars a year as an opening act which he could have easily afforded to pay me i wouldn't have said a word right you know when he was bumping comics at the comedy store if he was handing all the door guys a hundred dollar bill like rogan would do right. or like ralphie may would do right. they wouldn't say a bad thing about him bumping them right. but the, oh. the guy wasn't nice he paid me Zero money. No, you had to get paid something. Come on, bro. I know what I, what made, about, I made about. I made about. I made between three hundred to six hundred a week for five, six, seven shows. Let's say. Uh, usually about uh, six to eight shows. So three to six hundred a week, which is like I guess fifty dollars a show, pretty much, right? Pretty much. Wow. On top of selling merch, on top of filling orders, on top of you know usually driving across the country. Uh, Cause he didn't want to buy me a plane ticket, you know. Really? And he he'd be oh. like, "Hey man, you, you got time? I need you in Colorado. I need you in Denver." You know, well, and then, you know stuff like that where it was like, "Hey man, I was willing to do it." You know. I tell you what, man. As far as paying dues, you pay dues, bro. I mean, you hear about comedians, you got to pay your dues. These are dues that you pay, bro. Oh man, I you know I paid my dues, but it, it's it's made me. More hard. humble. Yeah. It's made me appreciative. I treat the staff like gold. There you go. You know, I, I, I pick the same waitress every night in the green room, and we make sure that she gets $40 a night. There you go. And we ask her for nothing. My road manager gets all the drinks I want, the food I want. We ask her for nothing. And then at the end of the week, I usually take $500, and I play a game with the staff. And one staff member, including the kitchen, will walk out of there with 500 bucks. Oh, really? What game do you play? I do a, a game with a, a it's it's a 50-50 game with a quarter. Mm -hmm. And whoever picks heads is on this side. Whoever picks tails is on this side. And we eliminate down to one person. Wow, that's cool, man. You know, so at the end of the week, I, I go, all right, staff, I got 500 bucks here. You know, we're going to, so I'm going to give away 500 bucks to a staff member. So. You know, I, I I hope it's the kitchen staff. I hope it's the dishwasher. You know what I mean? Well, you just pass it out. 75 each, man. Everybody get a little cut. <laughs> well, but I ask them that, too. I tell them, I go, I can break this $500 off yeah. to everybody, or, or we can go for one person. And they always go, they want it all. Oh, no. one person, all or nothing, right? So, it, you know, it's taught me to be nice. Right. You know, it taught me the uh, the merchandise game. Mencia was the king of selling merchandise. Yeah, I saw that, man. He wouldn't even you talk. Know? He was one of the first, if I remember, 
seeing that actually would sell or charge you five dollars for a picture with him. I never seen that before. Usually, oh, I remember after shows with Ken Locos, it was all free. Right. This guy, he had his own backdrop, his own camera guy, and I said, this guy. But you say he's smart. He knows how to make money, Monsieur. He's a money machine, this dude. Yeah. Well, and that's what he is. I, look, you know, does he love being on stage and doing stand-up comedy? Absolutely. But at the end of the day, he saw it as a business. Yeah. He saw it as, this is something that I can do to make a lot of money. And the man has made a lot of money, lot of money doing stand-up. And, you know, he used to tell me, you know, when, when, when he would screw me over and he would say, Steve, it's business. It's not personal. And I remember thinking to myself, I don't want to be like that. Right. It is personal to me. Yeah. You know, my relationship with Mike Robles is personal to me. And I will not take advantage of Mike Robles because of business. It, right. it, 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 it doesn't sit well with me. I'm trying to set an example for my son. You know, it's it's not, I can't look at my son and go, hey, you know that Mike Robles guy stole the show, but it's business. He gets it. Right. I, I can't do that. I can't do that either, man. Okay, we had a comedian. I remember on the Kid Locos tour, bro, who the play got there late, right? So he didn't make the show. He was there for the next one. It was like Houston. The next day we were in San Antonio. He didn't make the Houston show. He wanted to get paid. I never experienced this. So I called the broker, right. I called the manager, I called a club, a comedy club owner and said, what would you do in this situation? It's not his fault, but he didn't perform. Right. Everybody said, you want to throw him a hundred bucks, go ahead, but I won't pay him. Right. And that's what I decided to do, not pay him. So he goes, hey man, we're boys, Mike, we're boys, right? I said, well, listen, I can handle this two ways with you. Business, you like to get paid, or you're my boy, I'll pay you. What do you want to do? Right. You're my boy. Pay me. And I paid him his money. You right. see, because I'm not, I don't sit well with that business either. To me, you know, personal is personal. But in that case, I think the guy probably took advantage of that. But that's okay. And, you know, it, my wife tells me that I get taken advantage of all the, all the time. But I tell her, I go, right. at the end of the day, it all comes back to me. Okay. All the blessings come back. Right. You know, but, whether, whether. It's funny how these guys don't know business, man. He felt obligated. He should get paid. And he got paid in full. Right. Uh, you, you might not believe me or not. I never asked for a dollar. I've never asked for a dollar to do stand-up. To this day, I don't look at the contracts. Yeah. I show up. They hand me a check. I don't even look at the check. I go. put it in my pocket. I bring it home. I give it to my wife. Yeah. And, I, and I move on because I never got in this business for the money. Right. You know, the fact that we've been so blessed and, and you know, all the things that have come back to, to uh, it, you know, as rewards for me, it's been great because, like you said, I, I have been taking it back. I've, I've, I've given promoters their money back when I have the, a huge guarantee and they didn't make money at the door. Mm -hmm. I've turned around and said, I've torn up the check and said, here you go. You know, Rudy Moreno. Rudy would pay me at the ice house on Wednesday and I would give him the check back. Yeah. And Rudy goes, you're the only comic that has ever done that. I believe it. And I, and I go, you know what, Rudy? I go, no offense, but I don't need this $50. I need the stage time. Exactly. You're here every Wednesday. This is your business. Here's your $50. Here's your $100. Yes, and and Dude, Rudy tripped out, man. He's like, wow. Because yeah, I know that it's all going to come back. Right, right. Well, you said something. You said that uh, you just take your check, you bring it home, you give it to your wife, right? And that's it. Well, that leads me to my next thing. That's probably why you're America's favorite husband. <laughs> that's I'm looking right here. America's favorite husband. You know, I, I, I started giving her all these checks that you're making. All this money goes right to her. Is that why you're America's favorite husband? Uh, well, look, man, I, 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 you know, people started telling me that, you know, I, I'd get off stage and they would go, you're my favorite husband. You're my favorite husband. And then and, and, and maybe this is my chip on my shoulder, but uh, I had a guy come up to me and go, man, you're my wife's favorite Mexican husband. Mexican. <laughs> and I didn't say anything to him. Right. And then I go, I'm, if I'm going to be America's favorite, I mean, if I'm going to be a favorite husband, I'm going to be America's favorite husband. Right. 
I'm not going to be a Mexican favorite husband. Right. I'm going to be a favorite husband of America. So I'm the one that added the America part. Okay. Um, but, you know, so many times after I got off stage, it was, you're my favorite husband. You know, I wish my husband would watch you on stage and realize that, you know, he's not alone. Right. right. And, and that's, so that's where the, the America's favorite husband came from. And, you know, I, I got, I caught hell one time on social media because somebody goes, but you're Mexican American. Why don't you put Mexican American? And I said, well, I'm an American first. I said, that's what I am. I'm an American. My father served in the Vietnam war. I didn't grow up in Mexico. I wasn't born in Mexico. Right. I said, my, my heritage is Mexican. Right. And then they got all upset and they go, well, you don't know what it's like. You know, you're, you know, I'm, I was born in America too, but I'm Mexican. And, and I said, look, I go, you, we all have our own opinions and you're welcome to have that opinion. And I ain't mad at you, right. but I, but I don't understand why you're mad at me because I want to be Mexican American. You know what I mean? And, and it, 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 I get mad because I want to be treated like an American. I don't want to be treated like I'm from Mexico. You know, or when they come up to me and they go, congratulations on the Oscar. And I'm like, what are you talking about? Well, you know that the Mexican uh, director got 15 nominations. I go, he's Mex he's from Mexico. Right, right. That's not my win. Right. You know? I hear where you're coming from. I mean, you know, you're born here. Your father served in the war. You're American. You know, that's what you are. We're the Mexican heritage. I mean, I get it. But these people like to group people and label people like, you know, it's like it doesn't make sense. But again, and, that's and, they, and they don't they don't realize that there's the bald eagle, right? There there's the Texas flag, there and there's the Mexican flag. Those are all the things that make me. Now, do you show them that when you're on stage? In case you just show them that, you show them that tat right there. What? What are you doing? I, I don't need to. I know. I know. I know. <laughs> you know what I mean? But no. but you know, it's one of those things where it's like, hey, man, you know. I want to be America's favorite husband. And you are, because over here, now you said a lot of women say that I wish my husband was like you or not. And here's another thing is it because you speak, according to you, you speak wife fluently. I do. <laughs> yes, because. What is, what is speaking wife fluently? What do you mean, do you mean by that? I understand what my wife is saying mm -hmm. because she speaks in wife. Yeah. I tell people all the time, like, you have to learn to speak wife. Like today is a perfect example. My wife is almost seven months pregnant. Hey, we're, we're supposed to run errands today. We make it to lunch and then we're supposed to go to the stores to get my son's school clothes. After lunch, my wife goes, I would totally be okay if you and Garrett, if, if you want to go back to the house and relax a little bit. That's, that's how wives speak. But when you speak wife, you translate it and go, oh, she wants to go home. <laughs> Instead of her saying, take me home, I want to rest. Right, right, right. <laughs> I would totally be okay if you wanted to go home. Oh, man. Right? So that's so what I you always say. Then, right? And you understand this language then, right? It's, it's as simple as, are you going to wear that tonight? <laughs> no, I'm not. You know, <laughs> instead of her saying like a regular person, don't wear that shirt, go get another one. But <laughs> you have to speak wife. Instead, she says, that's what you're going to wear. Oh, man. The, the guy that doesn't speak wife will be like, yeah, this is what I'm going to wear. Well, no, well, dummy, change shirts. So that's that's where the the I speak wife from. And, and I look, man, I I complain on stage about my wife. But at the end of the day, the audience knows I'm madly in love with my wife. They know that I'll do anything for my wife, that I put up with all of this bullshit because I love my wife. And I think that's what's appealing about the show. That's beautiful. Man. And including I, the fact that she, she, I heard she crashed her Silverado or something. Oh, brah, she, she wrecked the truck. The woman is, spends all my money. But you still but love yeah. her, right? You still love her. I love her with everything I got, man. Wow. You know, and, 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 but you know, she's made me a better man. She's made me accountable. She has high expectations for me. Mm -hmm. It wears me out, but because of those high expectations, 
you know, in my act right now, I go, our biggest issue is that I love her. Really? Because she knows I love her. So then she takes advantage of me. She asks for things that she wants. And because I love her, I break my back to give them to her. And what I'm trying to say, ladies, is maybe sometimes don't ask. Maybe you love him enough to shut up. Yeah, I don't know about that one, Steve. That's why, that's why it's funny, right? But you have and, all these women who say, you know, like, I wish my husband was like that more and so on. You have guys coming up to you saying, hey, man, nah, it didn't work that way like that. It's like they look at you almost like, no. You're, you're crazy. Well, so, I mean, I don't, most I, don't, men, I, don't, I don't believe what you're saying. You're saying it only to score points. Well, most men come up to me and go, dude, I live the same life. Yeah. Right. My wife wears me out. Right. Every once in a while. And, and me and my wife were laughing about this. Every once in a while you get these these machismos. Right. That are like, hey, bro, I don't put up with that. I wear the pants. I make the money. I run the house. And I'm like, who are these savages from 1950? Like, <laughs> you, you know what I mean? Like, who are you? Right. Do you let her vote? Right. Is she allowed to is she allowed to pick what she wants to eat? Like, are you out of your mind? Right. You know, my wife contributes. My wife runs the other half of our business. Yeah, my wife has a say. Yes, I want to make my wife happy. And my wife should want to make me happy. You right. know, and which, by the way, you know, the podcast, we get a lot of, oh, my God, this is therapy. Oh, my God, watching you guys makes us feel normal, <laughs> you know. And, uh, what's that, everybody, again, the podcast where people want to tune uh, in? Steve Trevignon is Captain Evil. I see. I saw a couple of clips from that man. It's, it's yeah, I know it's great therapy, it, man. Because there's a lot of couples out there probably going through what you're going through. The fact that you're able to discuss it right away is a help, you know, because you can talk it out, you know. Well, and 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 we discuss it in a very real way. What's been the biggest issue you've spoken so far on the podcast to you, man? The the biggest issue on the most serious issue you think? You know, we we had a miscarriage last year. Ooh, and um, as you know, that's one of the hardest things a, a couple can go through. Um, not only was it a miscarriage, it was a miscarriage after several months of already being pregnant. Wow. Um, and, you know, we decided that we would talk about it on the podcast and the amount of love and the amount of messages that we got of people just saying, thank you for talking about it. Thank you for opening up. You know, and especially a lot of women saying, I watch your podcast with my husband. We went through it. And because you were able to talk about it, we now talked about it. Finally. Oh, okay. You know, and, and our, my husband has a hard time showing emotion. My husband never talked about it until we saw it on the podcast. So, you know, we didn't know if, if we wanted to talk about it, how we wanted to talk about it. But we decided that it was a big part of our life. You know, and we talked about it and just the overwhelming response that we got was just really beautiful, to be honest with you. And it, it made me feel better. And I tell people all the time, they go, Steve, you're helping us. And I go, yeah, but you guys are helping us. There you go. You know, you guys, you know, us being able to do what we're doing, <laughs> you guys, you know, you guys, you know, sending us, we, do we, me and my wife, we sit up at night in bed and we read every message oh, okay. you know and sometimes there's 1100 of them and we read every message and it just some of them are are people going hey man this is the most real stuff you changed our life or we watch this together and it's just been a a really cool experience to feel like we went at it and said we're going to be real and it's not going to be funny all the time and we hope it works, and it, it is. It's working. It is, man. I tell you what, then, man. You you can tell, man. A lot of blessings are coming your way. Success is there, and I couldn't be happier for you, Steve, man. Because you deserve every every bit of success and all the blessings you're getting, man. Because you're a humble dude. There's not many of you dudes. You know, I think I love, but I bumped into many, many comedians with many, many egos, and it's nice to. It's refreshing when I bump into some guy like you. Who you're funny, you're successful, but you don't have that ego thing going, which is very, to me, very, very humbling for me. And it's like, so I, 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 I thank you. And but I also think that my experiences and and the things that I went through led me to here. 
Mm-hmm. Um, you know, all like you said, I paid my dues. Uh, I've had nothing, and now I have everything. So you, you learn to appreciate it. You learn to uh, you learn to keep your feet on the ground. You know, and and uh, like I said, my wife and I live in a very normal neighborhood. In a very we lead, we lead a very normal life. Uh, and I also told my wife that if I don't live that normal life, you lose touch. You know, you lose grasp with what uh, people are dealing with every day. I mean, I'm at Home Depot four or five times a day, you know, working on my home or painting or or doing something myself because I enjoy it. And I'm a very uh, regular, regular guy. That's you know, I, and, and I learned too, Mike, and I, I don't know how you felt, but. L.A. just wasn't for me. L.A. was just too fake. And and I, I wish that I had gone to New York to start my comedy career. Because I feel like the cats in New York are way more real. And it's it's more honest and it's more gritty and it's more down to earth, even though it's the biggest city in the world. But you yeah. go to, you know, I went to L.A. and I didn't I didn't I didn't see eye to eye. I didn't get along with any of the comedians. We yeah. we had nothing in common. Yeah, I noticed that, you know, from New York, you know, you have more clicks out there in, you know, L.A., and it's more tighter, you know. Either you're in, you're out, you know, and it's like to get from one gig to another, you know, in L.A., you maybe be able to do two a night driving, where in New York, man, you jump in a cab, you can do six, seven sets a night. Right. In New York City, you know, and, and, and you know, New York is New York, man. There's no city like it, man, but, but you're doing good right from Texas, bro, so... I'm, I'm I'm happy, man. And Mike, don't be a stranger, dude. I miss you, and right. uh, and I want to thank you for what you have done, uh, and the opportunities that you have given to people like Gabriel Iglesias and George Lopez and and Jeff Garcia. And, and I hope that these guys, every once in a while, drop you a text because you're a big part of their career. And and I just hope they appreciate you, man, because I do. I appreciate that. And for the record. You didn't do Get Locals, but you did do Local Comedy Jam back in 2002, bro, at L.A. Studios. And you, I remember. You crushed it then, just like you're crushing it now. So we did. We, I was able to get you on the show. Yep. But it was right after Get Locals, Local Comedy Jam. So thanks for doing That's that. That's right. So tell everybody where they can find you. SteveTrevino.com. My website will take you to everything you need to know. Um, the podcast is all over the place, YouTube, Facebook, anywhere you get podcasts. Um, and then I'm always on the road doing stand up. And I mean this very sincerely. If you feel comfortable enough to come to a show, please do. Uh, if you don't feel comfortable and, and you're not ready to leave the house on September 12th, uh, we're going to record a, a, a special specifically about the coronavirus called Steve Trevino and my life in quarantine. Uh, and we'll be releasing that with, along with a one-hour podcast uh, on November 11th because we're going to give proceeds to the veterans. Awesome, man. Steve, again, man, thank you, man. God bless you. Thank you for being on the show, man. Nothing but love and respect, bro. So We'll see you soon, my friend. All right. You take care. That's Steve Trevino, everybody. Thanks for tuning in.